You're listening to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about the Oscars and movies that will come up at the Oscars. Today's movie is Minari, a critical darling that is ready to go to the Golden Globes and ready to go to the Oscars. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the respective award ceremonies in due course, but uh, for now, we're going to talk about Minari. And this is a mostly spoiler-free review. Uh, I think there may be one big spoiler, but um, it's bleeped out. So you're not even going to have to deal with that. You can listen to this entire thing without even having seen Minari yet, which uh, may be necessary when the time when, when this comes out, because, um, yeah, anyway. And so here's a bit of the trailer for Minari. <laughs> We need to find water somewhere. If that soil ain't wet, we're gonna lose the crop. You're listening to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live the pre-recorded show where we talk about Oscar movies. And today's movie is, uh, well, I guess we technically don't know any Oscar movies yet because those don't get announced until end of February, maybe in early March this year. The Oscars got delayed, which I'm not super hyped about, but also I might be done with my degree by the time the Oscars come out. So that will be, that will be very nice for sure. Uh, anyway, what was I saying? We are going to talk about a movie today that is a likely contender in a lot of categories. Likely winner in, I'm not even sure if it's a likely winner in any. I think it's a likely, it's, for me, it's a, run, it's a front runner in one category specifically, and we'll get there. We're going to talk about Minari. Uh, Pierre, you want to talk to us a little bit about Minari? Sure. It's a movie about, or placed in the 80s uh, in the American state of Arkansas, where a, a Korean family has just moved there from California, I think it was, right? Yeah, California. And uh, in search of a better life, they they have a new house with like lots of land. And um, the dad, played by Stephen Yoon, uh, is trying to. I think he's he's his goal is to build a farm and be able to sell the sell the the fruits and vegetables to to uh, other Korean uh, businesses. If that makes because I think it was a primarily Korean food farm, right? I'm not mistaken. Basically, his uh, basically his motive. Well, he wants to be a farmer. He mostly wants to succeed at something, and that thing that he wants to succeed at is farming. And he has decided that he's going to go with Korean veg, Korean fruits and vegetables because there aren't a lot of farmers that are already doing that. But there is a market for it because there's a pretty decent sized Korean population 
in the United States, specifically the one that they're going to be selling to is Oklahoma City, though that really doesn't matter that much. Okay, yeah. Um, and then uh, I, I, that's basically the movie. Uh, like while you you kind of follow him and his uh, his family's kind of experience uh, struggling with with this new environment, and uh, uh, the, the, I think the they they are they bring the the mom's mother, so the grandma comes to live with them, and uh, I guess the the movie is basically just kind of capturing the life of this this experience, and I guess the kind of conflict of uh, what you what you know what you have to do to chase chase uh, a better life, especially as an immigrant. Yeah, it's the story. It's it's actually, I mean. I guess this is probably obvious, but it's the story of the American dream. Immigrants come over mm-hmm. from Korea and chase a better life and have some success therein and have some non-successes therein. So, yeah, that's that's basically it. Yeah, so pretty basic. I, I guess it's more of a I, I would I would say I, I don't know if this is the right term, but I would say slice of life, but it might not be the exact term, but it's basically a movie that relies more on uh capturing a like capturing this experience rather than like for, at least in my opinion really telling a uh a straightforward plot like there's there's not really much like set up payoff throughout the movie um there's not much character and plot progression if that makes sense it's just uh yeah just f- following their experience and i i don't personally i don't really love movies like that because i feel like they're not really challenging the audience or themselves. Um, but I understand, like, I guess, I guess I, I, I understand why people do like these types of movies because it, it is cool that it captures, it captures something that we haven't really seen before. Right. Uh, narratively is that like, there is the main, the main plot is ostensibly about the, the father, Stephen Yoon, uh, you know, building his farm and hoping and, and like, what happens through his year building this farm. But what I thought was like the main narrative element was the, uh, the, his, his son's relationship with, with his son's grandma, which is the, uh, the mother's mother. Um, Cause she comes over kind of to help take care of the kids. Uh, the son has a heart condition and the parents both work like a really, really, bad job just like they look at chicks and determine whether they are male or female so that the female chicks can grow into chickens and the uh, male chicks can be destroyed um so like they bring in grandma to sort of help look after the kids and i found that the big i felt like the plot that like had any progression was grandma's relationship with this with the youngest son yeah, that's that's definitely kind of the through line, but like I still don't like mm, again, it's the type of movie but the the plot that like it was cute, but did that like it didn't really have any effect on on the on anything in the actual movie. It was like kind of a a cute little subplot um that doesn't necessarily go anywhere. And I get that's not the point because it's it's trying to capture like like life doesn't always have a purpose. But um, I just I, I find a lot of I find I find myself having a lot of trouble really caring about these types of things when it's like 
I don't know. It's like to me, it's like I can the those little character moments is like stuff I can see in my day to day life. And it's cute to see on screen, but I don't think it's necessarily showing me anything I haven't seen before, which which is more important to me when watching a movie personally. I get where you're coming from. I think this is our main disagreement on this movie, because to me um, that you, you said that's the through line. To me, that's the movie. Like to me, that's the A plot. And the movie is about this relationship between this very young child and this rather old woman. And that's the main plot of the movie. And the side plot is the farming stuff, which is technically the opposite of what it actually is. But to me, that's like, since that's how I was viewing the movie, as long as that side, as long as the, uh, that relationship plot was working out, that's what I was there to see. And I guess you're right. It wasn't really showing me anything I haven't seen before, but uh, I thought it was well done. So that's, that's kind of where my main thoughts on this movie come from. Yeah, it was cute. I, I thought, I definitely thought the, like, what would carry this movie really hard was definitely the acting, I guess, uh, especially from the that that's a really it was a really good child actor. I'm not going to oh, lie. Yeah, that, he, that, he had a really big uh, role in the movie. I got to say, there weren't that many child actors in this. I can think of four, but they were all at least decent. And the main ones that actually had to be on screen a lot were really good, which I mean, I feel like I'm seeing that more often in movies that require it. So just maybe child casting is getting better. But like, it is still not common to get good child actors. Yeah, I I was a little disappointed. I, I thought the daughter was was all right, too, but she didn't really get much screen time. Um, but yeah, and then, and then like the, the parents were, were done pretty well. I thought the grandma really, really uh, sold the part well. And which was also very important. She was basically kind of the heart of the movie. And yeah, it's uh, I don't know. That's that's <laughs> that's all I could say. There wasn't really much, much like uh, many actors, I guess. The the guy, Paul, I think he was interesting. But um, again, I don't think he really got much to work with in terms of his character. Didn't get much screen time. Right. And And didn't really have his own character arc. It was just. He, he came in and out of the story from time to time and kind of did his thing, a, I guess. He had a character, but his character arc is in another movie. Yeah, he, 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 felt, he felt like... I, I was really interested in what he, like, in his story personally because he was doing a lot of, of weird stuff throughout the movie. And again, like, it, it never really comes around because he wasn't the focus of the story, I guess. Yeah, but, I guess to to just briefly explain the guy we're talking about paul uh he was played by will will Patton, and he is a born again christian and when i say born again christian like he's not just oh i just started going to church a couple of years ago no like whenever whenever he decided he was a christian he like committed to it fully he'll like randomly pray in the middle of he'll just randomly pray and he'll pray like very hard tongues everything like get really ecstatic about it. His Sundays are he he carries a cross like probably I don't know exactly how far, but I'm going to guess that however far it is, it's however far it took Jesus to go from uh, when he started carrying the cross to when he was on it. Like he's does he goes hard and like 
it would be interesting to see how he got there or just what his day is like. There's a lot that's implied about him that isn't said, which makes him a very interesting character, but uh, we don't, he doesn't get a lot to work with or he doesn't get a lot to do because like I said, his movie is on a different, is his character arc is in a different movie. Yeah, I, I was definitely thinking some of those parts would end up coming into play later because there there was a increasing focus on it um, mm. and kind of his religion. Uh, yeah, I guess they, they kind of had a, a weird sort of friendship between uh, Paul and God, I, I'm sorry. I can't remember the dad's character, like the dad's name. I think it was Jacob. Jacob, okay. Played, yeah. So, but I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess it's not fair of me because I keep I keep judging this movie based on other merits and it's very uh, confusing for me. So, if you uh, don't mind me jumping in there, uh, based on what we wrote out behind the scenes, I think it's about time that you start on those, that you start talking about those other merits and we will come back to, to some of this. Wait, merits? Oh. Oh, I what, guess what like you, what are you, what what are you judging like? this movie on? Oh, well, it's just like I don't know. Like I, I like to watch movies like because they they bring something new to the table, right? I don't think I thought this was a cute movie that that showed uh, an objective experience of of someone's uh, or like the the average uh, or the the Asia, of an Asian immigrant family, and I think that's that's cool. But I don't feel I don't feel like it was necessarily like bring like it didn't bring any new in terms of like there, there was no like I didn't think the writing was that good in terms of like the characters. I didn't care for the characters that much other than like what the actors brought to the table. Um, I thought I thought the plot was pretty boring. like the pacing and the plot was relatively boring uh, and the film didn't really seem to be revolving around a certain message because to me at a certain point when the uh, are we talking spoilers at all probably not yet right well if you can avoid it let's stay away from it i'll just i'll just say it's just the the movie kind of slowly gets more and more depressing and then it ends and like i don't really i get what that's trying to say where it's just like it's life but it's like i feel like to me that's a lazy way of just writing off a relatively boring a relatively boring story because nothing pays off there isn't like uh there isn't a like there isn't a theme to me that i can tell and uh i don't feel like any of the characters um any of the characters were really challenged on their personal motivations if that makes sense uh like for example with the with steven yoon's character jacob um his conflict he has conflict with his family but that conflict never really pans out at all like we start the movie and it was really interesting in that you you have like uh you have this family that's come in and obviously they they are not happy with where they are living because like it's 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 such a different experience for them they're from california now they're living in this uh mobile home basically in the middle of nowhere uh in fear of tornadoes right and that's that's a cool premise but then like the the dad doesn't really face any consequences or or any um any conflict directly from from that decision until the very end 
But then even so, that doesn't actually pan out because, again, the movie just kind of ends and you're not really yeah. given closure on any of that conflict. And I get like, again, I get that that's the point. It's a movie about life. These things just kind of happen and you and it's a it's a it's a uh, ca it's trying to capture that. But again, I don't personally, I feel like it's lazy and it's just a me thing. I understand that not everyone feels this way. So that's why I personally did not enjoy it as much as I wish I did. I like the very ending, like the last scene. And I like the scene before the last scene. So ultimately, I like the ending. However, between those two scenes that I'm saying, there is a time skip. And sometime during that time skip is when a lot of these conflicts must ultimately pay off. But we don't, we don't see them pay off or like we don't see the resolution of these conflicts. Because like you said, he's, you know, his family clearly doesn't want to live there. And that does come to a head right near, right before the end of the movie. And then somehow or another, that is resolved within the time skip. And like, we don't, full, we don't get to see how that resolves. And I think that, I think what you're saying is actually the movie's greatest weakness, that it has a lot of buildup to things that pay off off screen. And like, there's a lot of emotional payoff on screen because, like I said, for me, the the main part of this movie is the relationships, the, the relationship that builds between, you know, the young kid and his grandma, and like, just relationships between characters, which do grow and evolve throughout the movie. However, the actual plot relevant conflicts that happen sort of, sort of just dissolve at the end. Yeah, and I think it's possible to do a movie like this um, with with closure, if that makes sense. I like I even though I don't love these types of movies, I uh, I I'm sure you know uh, Chloe Zhao who who did No Man Land. Um, I saw her movie The Rider, which I think is her style is very very similar to this in that it's it's not it's kind of a passive observation of someone's life, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I feel like despite despite that, she does add um add a certain level of of plot, even it however tiny it is, but stuff that is set up throughout the movie, even though it doesn't seem like it, it seems like just kind of like this is this guy's just uh drifting through life uh in the rider. Um a lot of these scenes end up building up to the natural climax of the movie where uh essentially the the main the main character has to make a choice whether i guess spoilers if you haven't seen the rider but he has to make a choice whether uh he he wants to keep riding uh like doing rodeos or not despite the risk it, it could uh and that it could kill him or leave him completely uh completely unable to like uh bot like function with his body you know and I, I don't again, I don't love the movie because it's not my type of movie, but at least there is that that slow incrementation of something, whereas this movie has a lot of plot threads that don't ne don't necessarily seep into the finale at all, especially because, again, I love the I love the the arc with the grandma and the child. Right. But. Oh, God, <laughs> I spoiled. Uh, um. Maybe we can bleep that out. But once uh, 
And yeah, anyways, out, after a certain point of the movie, that relationship literally does not come back at all. And it doesn't matter anymore. About two thirds of the about in the last the last third of the movie, it does not come back in any way. And it's a little jarring because you spent so much time building up this relationship and there is no payoff for the end. I think there's one other thing that to me makes this a problem worth even talking about, which is near the end, the, the wife, Monica, um, let me find out the, the, the actor's name, uh, Han Ye Ri. She comments on, she comments on exactly what we're saying because at this point in the movie, this isn't too much of a spoiler, but Jacob and Monica, their, their relationship is, you know, kind of strained through the fact that they live in Arkansas and she doesn't want to live there. And they're just there after basically a whole year. So she has not floated the idea of a divorce, but they want to separate for a bit. And then all of a sudden things are going well. And then it's, and then Jacob just drops all conversation of it and like, doesn't even bring it up. And she says, what? So when things are good, we can, we don't have to worry about this, but as soon as things are bad, then, then all this stuff comes up. And like, that reminds me of, you know, I, I, that reminds me of what we're talking about because that's the whole thing is at the end of the movie, this movie has like a weirdly bleak ending, but at the same time, it's like almost a happy ending where stuff has been resolved in the background and it just sort of happened. And like, because that stuff all got resolved off screen, we don't have to talk about it anymore, which is a little weird considering the movie literally commented on that phenomenon. Yeah, I like that's the like I think the ending was one of the oddest. But even that that conflict, like for something set up at the start of the movie, it actually felt really jarring to hear it brought up again closer to the end, um, because we don't see that tension really build at all in any way. And mm-hmm. I was personally a little. It, it felt like okay this is a weird term i'm just gonna say it felt kind of like depression porn at the end where like even though you you have like basically the only arc that pays off is sort of the dad um the dad and his farm right and you have you you have a slight sense of victory it doesn't end up really uh there's there is no sense of victory because then further conflicts are added right after and this is already like the end of the movie, basically. Um, and, it, and again, it, it didn't feel built on and it felt a little shoved in for not much reason. And uh, yeah, and then after that, I really I really think it uh, like they just kept adding more and more sad stuff. Um, well, at the end, it feels like it's a victory, but at like a pretty big cost because the dad is having to make sacrifices that earlier on in the movie he didn't want to make. Um, there's the implication that they're going into way more debt, even though the farm is kind of working out. So it's like, it's a happy ending, but depression porn sounds like a really good uh, way to describe it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, thank you. Um, But I mean, like, I I guess so. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think there's a great movie in here. I love that conflict of what, cause what I, the dad's an interesting character in that he's, trying to give his family a better life but in kind of 
almost the worst way possible, if that makes sense. Cause he's just like, it's a really big risk, but it's also like, it feels like he's so close to getting, to getting it right. Because the other option of them going back to California and having to, um, check the, check the sex of chickens every day. I can understand why he is desperate to not go back to that life. Right. Yeah. It's but, a life that will probably end up with a better life, life for their children but it's horribly depressing for them. And also, like, mm-hmm. it's also just a probably. Yeah, it's a probably. And there's not really any long-term goals there, right? Like, how are they going to yeah. pay for the kids in college or something like that, right? Whereas the farm theoretically has a lot more opportunity. Yeah. So, like, I get that. And I, I love that part of the movie a lot. But they do not touch on it at all. It's very, very minimal. And it's pushed to the background for the most part. Even though there are... I guess subtle subtle hints. There's not much. Uh, there's not enough focus on it to make it feel like that the movie really cared about that plot, and um, and then that makes the payoff at the end a lot worse. So, uh, yeah. So again, but then uh, there are great parts in this movie. If you aside from basically the plot for me, um, which I'm sure Jeff can highlight. In yeah, a much I want to say that I think. Maybe another one of the maybe another one of the weaknesses of this movie is that it focuses like the plot that it focuses on is really good. But as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't focus enough on the other plot, which is the one we basically just talked about. The dad and his farm is there. It's a big part of the movie. It obviously has to be. However, like it's not given nearly as much attention as the relationship between the son and his grandma. Because I feel like that one is given enough attention. And for what that is trying to do, it's incredibly good. I think that's like a really good story of these two, like learning to be like learning to get along because it's the first time that grandma has ever met her son or not her son, her grandson. And grandma is like from Korea, lost her husband in the Korean war, grew up in pre-war Korea. Like she's been through a lot. And her son is like, I don't know, nine years old, grew up in California. They have nothing in common. And so they start out being total strangers, obviously. And she is not what he thinks of when he thinks of what a grandma should be. And so the whole movie up until a point and near the end is like them, her trying to be what her grandson expects and her grandson, like, kind of trying to meet her on her level, although he, like, originally, uh, initially is very resistant to even have a grandma. Like, not that he has much of a choice, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that was that was a great uh, that was a great plot, and I I think it really, uh, you know, I I I think it's one one of those like the generational gap stories. I think those those are. They're kind of cliche, but I think they're really hard to not enjoy. Um, I always enjoy unlikely characters sort of getting along in their own weird way. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had like a, a cute relationship, like because it was it was kind of antagonistic. But then also yeah. like you could tell you could tell there was some somehow they kept getting along. And I, I like that part of it. It was antagonistic, but like neither one of them actually wanted it to be. They just had very different expectations for what each of them was supposed to do. 
mm-hmm. this case, mostly that means like they had very different expectations of what a grandma should be. Grandma was trying to get along with her uh, with, with her grandson. And like she started by trying to be a Korean grandma, which he didn't like. Then she like tried to be openly, but like teasingly antagonistic, which he also didn't take well to. And then she tried to be an American grandma, which she can't do because she can barely speak English in the first place. And she grew up in Korea. So like, but eventually like they had, they had their cute little quirks. They had good moments. She got really into Mountain Dew, which he was very into. I love, I love the Mountain Dew joke. The yeah, it's water (laughs) from the mountains. (laughs) That was actually really funny. Uh, I, I, I kind of wish the daughter had more, had more to do, uh, because I guess that was initially her thing. The she's the one that kind of tricked the grandma into the, to thinking it was a uh, special water, basically. Um, but that doesn't really go anywhere. I, I'm trying to think. How, does the daughter have much to do in this movie? I can't there, think of anything. In a lot of scenes, but she's very much a supporting character. It's a little, it's a little bit of a shame because she's very, very good when she's there. She just doesn't really have, like you said, much to do. Yeah, I thought that was a little... She's basically like the only character in the family who's really shafted in terms of screen time uh, or sidelined. Yeah, she is kind of an anchor for everyone, but like in being an anchor for every other character, she doesn't get time to be her own. Yeah, I I guess there wasn't really... They wanted to give it more focus and there wasn't much for her character because she seemed like, I guess, the most normal one or the most emotionally stable one. I'm going to say that, uh, so this movie is, um, this movie is a, it's it's by, it's directed by Lee Isaac Chung and it was written by Lee Isaac Chung and it is, uh, it is at least partially based on Lee Isaac Chung's, uh, upbringing as an, as a Korean immigrant in America. Um, I have a feeling that he is probably closest to the plot line between the kid and grandma. So that's why that gets the most focus and why everything else is either sort of, is is kind of sidelined because the plot that he's closest to and has the most emotional attachment to is the one that is like the best executed because I guess kind of obviously. Yeah, I... mm. Yeah, I guess well the best executed for sure. I think it was a little it, it was really uh I don't like the grandma was a really good actress too. I guess they both were, but they they were to me their characters definitely stuck out the most. Uh I guess in terms of the, the writing, but then also yeah, definitely the the performances uh I think just had an extra layer to them that the others were kind of missing. And like I guess that might have that kind of makes sense because I feel like the other characters were just kind of stressed out all the time so they didn't have much ability to to really flex with uh different emotions so yeah but other than that i i i'm not sh- entirely sure like sup- i really i i don't know much about steven you know he's a really good actor he didn't do great in this movie for me i think he did a solid job but it wasn't anything uh mind-blowing but i think that's just like the writing and and the acting from what i can tell i think I mean, I think he was fine. Uh, I think he was good. I would probably agree with you that he didn't do great. And I mostly think that the reason I say that is because he didn't have enough to do. 
I think he was very good when he was there. Uh, the other thing I will say is that if we're talking about awards, he is, uh, like, he gets nominated. He's been nominated so far at, like, every award show that's already happened or that's already announced nominations. But I think that he is up against better actors this year, unfortunately. Mm, was the kid not nominated for anything? I mean, he's pretty young. I don't think he was. Has that not been done before? I know, like, well, how old was Leo when he was nominated for... Um, he was almost 20. I think he was like 17. You can be nominated that young. The youngest ever Best Actor nominee was nine. But that does not happen often. Nine. Yeah, that's fair. I just like, if I was to pick a Best Actor from the movie, I'd definitely say it was the kid, personally. For me, it's the grandma. I thought the grandma was incredible. And I really hope that she, like, for me, she's the shoe-in in this movie. Like, I see this movie getting nominated for a lot of things. I think she's a definite nomination for best supporting actress. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't. Unfortunately, I don't know if she's gonna get recognized because well, I doubt it is a win foreign it, movie. But um, but then well, also like I don't know the other competition, so I don't know okay. like if she's definitely necessarily that good. That's also really weird that you say that because it's not a foreign movie at all. This is well, I mean, I guess it depends on your. Uh, we're in Canada, so I guess it's a foreign movie because it's from the states. But like, yeah. I guess I shouldn't say for a movie. It's uh, okay. I, I get what you're leading into, but yeah, it was a a primarily Korean speaking movie. So I, it's unfair of me to, but it's unfair of me to say it's just a Korean movie. It is an American made movie. But I guess now that you mentioned that, that is a good place for me to mention this movie has been, as of the time of this recording, uh, nominated for best foreign language feature at the Golden Globes, which. I mean, I personally don't care about the Golden Globes anyway. Uh, not one of the award shows I pay that much attention to. But I think that's very strange. And it has been, it, that's a big point of criticism at the Golden Globes this year. Because uh, the foreign language feature is the intention of that category is at least commonly thought to be like that's supposed to be for movies that are not made in you know america or great britain essentially like it's supposed to be for the inter for international features things that wouldn't normally play in american cinemas but like minari is an american movie that plays in american theaters that just happens to probably probably about 60 percent in korean so like why does that count as a foreign language feature? And like, I mean, I guess it's because of the 60%, but like a lot of the criticism I've seen is like, this movie, like, what is a foreign language? Because I don't know if you know this, Pierre, but the United States of America doesn't have a, an, an official language. Uh, oh, well, and, I actually didn't know that. Yeah, it actually doesn't. Like, the de facto languages are English and Spanish, but officially... There is not an official, there's no official language for the United States on the books. So any, any language that's spoken in the United States is pretty much as valid as any other language that's spoken in the United States. So what constitutes a foreign language feature? Basically, yeah, it's, it's a phrasing <laughs> issue that is really like, it, it's an outdated, it's a, it is a, an awards category which has a name which is very outdated and they should really rethink that category for the golden globes i believe yeah i i guess i i understand the problem here um i don't 
I guess like the question, like I, I wonder if they wanted to recognize the movie, um, but then put it in because I, I don't know if they're actually going to nominate it for any of the categories if they didn't do a uh, foreign language because well, obviously, you know, my biases against it. I don't think it should be nominated for anything else. But um, also, it does feel kind of uh, like a backhanded compliment, if that makes sense, because yeah, uh, I think it's it's kind of unfairly shoving it and i especially because also i feel like the other competition in the foreign language feature would probably be kind of pissed because this movie probably has a distinct advantage in that it is an american-made film and i feel like a foreign language film should be uh more pushed into recognizing those that directors that aren't part of the hollywood system at all and need to be recognized in order to get to grow and uh do better movies or bigger movies in the future right or have their own movie industry be represented ultimately i think that it's sort of it is a backhanded compliment and it's sort of bad for everything because minari getting nominated for best foreign language feature i don't know i'm I'm gonna pull up the nominations now but i doubt it got nominated for everything for anything else and it doesn't necessarily have to be nominated for anything else. But on the other hand, if it's in foreign language feature, like it's it's got a distinct advantage over anything else. Uh, let me see last last year. Let me see what last year best foreign language. OK, best foreign language feature film last year was Parasite because, well, Parasite was the best movie of last year. I'm going to I'm going to show my bias there. But like it, it just was. <laughs> But the other thing that was nominated was The Farewell, which was a U.S. feature, primarily in Chinese, but, like, it was a U.S. movie directed by a, an American director featuring, in its leading role, an American actress. And it's... So it had a distinct advantage over everything else because people could actually see that one, where a lot of these, like, didn't even release in American theaters by that time. Um, and this year, well, uh, hard to say, I don't know what it's up against. I'm still trying to pull it up, but, um, you know, people will have seen Minari or at least the people that are voting will have seen Minari when it comes out where they might not have seen, I'm just going to pull up one that's in potential contention for, uh, best international at the Oscars, the charlatan. Have you even heard of that movie? No, of course you haven't. It's from Czechia. Who, yeah. which, which people have seen this movie? Which critics have seen it? There's probably some, but more critics will have seen Minari and critics vote at the Golden Globes. Yeah, that, that, so I guess it kind of brings into question also just like what is the purpose of, um, uh, of this award? You know, like e- even with Parasite, yeah, I, I can see that like it won Best Picture. Did it really need to also be nominated and win uh, best foreign feature, you know, like it didn't win best picture at uh, at the Golden Globes. Oh, sorry, not the. I, I should say the Oscars, but I guess it's sure, the yeah. same uh, for the sake of the argument. Um, but yeah, so it, I, it's it's an interesting thought, and I, um, I I feel like if there's enough backlash from this, we'll definitely see some updates to the to like the current model for for what necessarily is a foreign feat or foreign language feature or not, but. Yeah, it'll. I guess it's. Uh, I, I wonder what the filmmakers feel like, though, honestly, because if they weren't nominated for anything else, like, do they do they feel like they were 
they were cheated out of being nominated for more stuff or or maybe they maybe they're just happy to be nominated at all like i'm not sure stuff i feel like award ceremony award shows in the united states specifically possibly other countries but i know about awards shows in the united states have a very united states bias and that's fair that's always going to be the case however what i'd like to see from things like the oscars and the golden globes is i just want to see them i see these award shows as i don't see these award shows as particularly useful for like saying what art is the best art is subjective and yes there are objective aspects of it that i think you can judge and that do to some degree get judged in these award shows but like the most important thing that award shows do is bring um bring eyes into onto like a lot of movies that might otherwise not get them and so what i always want to see in these award shows is a more international focus like I would love to see, you know, two Danish movies get nominated or, I don't know, multiple Chinese movies because Chinese cinema is huge. It would be cool to see something from India because I know Bollywood is huge. I don't actually love a lot of Bollywood movies that I've seen, but hell, that's partially because I haven't seen a lot of Bollywood movies. So, you know, I think it's, I just always want, I think that film is a very international medium and I really want there to be a more international focus. And so I think this kind of strayed a little bit away from Minari because, again, <laughs> we have established Minari is not necessarily an international film. But like, I think that, but I think that also considering Minari an international film, as seems to be the case with the Golden Globes, is like, it's not ultimately a bad thing on its own but it's a little disingenuous and kind of takes away from other international films uh, and like takes a little bit of the spotlight away from, from those. Yeah, I agree. And um, I guess it's up to the awards. I, I wouldn't put much faith in the award shows to, to modernize their, their, uh, their ways too quickly. Cause they seem to really like to resist change yet. Uh, I, I think, you know, if they want to survive, I think I, I think having a more uh, like what you said, like an international focus uh, and less bias is the only way they're going to be able to remain viable in the future. Um, I think like a lot of what I said is idealistic. It's never going to happen in that exact way or at least in the exact way that I want it to. But at least the Academy uh, for the Academy Awards seems they seem to be conscious of the fact that they are not perfect and like how much how much and how well they're addressing that is up to debate but people within the academy are trying to address that to some degree i don't know necessarily with other award shows but like i'm also not here to come and to come down on all the other award shows i think that basically the point i'm trying to get at is the academy is conscious of the fact that they're flawed because They've been being criticized for being flawed for upwards of 20 years. So I think that the only way to get that through, to get that point through to award shows and the people who do them is to just keep saying it. Like it's important to just point out when these show, when these award shows do something obviously stupid at best or, or like something worse at worst. 
True. Yeah. Hundred percent agree. Um, I guess getting back to Minari. Uh, I don't. I guess I don't have much. Um, to say I, I will. Okay, I'll, I'll point out a few things quickly. Um, and if you want to pipe in, it'd be cool. Uh, but like I, I did. I thought the cinematography was pretty solid. Um, and like the locations were like the production and the locations were were good. I think it really captured that uh that era, if that makes sense, or like that that lifestyle. Um, I the time the time to me was a little ambiguous, which I liked, but that might have been by accident. I don't know, like if they were actually trying to make like the the exact like timing of this movie, like being in the eighties. Uh, specifically mentioned Reagan was president, right? The timing of this movie is not the focus. And I don't think okay. that Lee Isaac Chung is super interested in making sure that you know exactly when this movie happens. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, yeah, I guess it's not a big sign. But yeah, I, so I like that. Um, you know, I think it, it could be, this movie is very, equally very relevant to, to modern audiences. The Arkansas is racist angle, or uh, I guess just white people are racist angle. Cool. Like, I know that's a a common uh like it's a common factor in or problem in america but i feel like you know it's 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 kind of it, it wasn't really important to the themes of the story and it was kind of nice to see uh people get along despite acknowledging that they have like differences you know i thought it was really kind of interesting the specific way they handled it in this movie because there was racism in this movie but in the two cases of like blatant racism, it came from children who, and the movie made this very clear, did not know better and were not being intentionally racist. And like not being intentionally racist nowadays is much different than not being intentionally racist in the 80s. Like it sounded pretty heinous, some of the things they said. But like the movie also made it very clear that like these kids had really just never encountered Koreans before. Yeah, I I don't uh like when I when I first saw that that comment, I was a little especially them being at the church when the pastor uh asked them to stand up for everyone to see. Like I was worried it was eventually going to trend there in terms of like, you know, the setting and the general themes for uh of what they were going for, but uh like again, I I I acknowledge it's a problem, but I feel like it's been captured a lot on film and it's a little cliché to 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 see it and i don't think it would have added anything um to the film and like uh, uh, yeah I, I do i did really like that scene where the the kid you know i think i think it's easy enough for the odds to understand that the kid probably might not have ever seen like an asian person before yeah. and was just asking an innocent question even though it <laughs> it comes off as really mean-spirited just because he doesn't know better but uh so yeah i appreciate that part and um yeah so like i said good parts in this movie it's just the the plot just really wasn't there yeah i would say for me the the best part of this movie was easily the acting i thought that basically every actor brought their a a game even the well i i don't even know if i can say even the performances i didn't like because i didn't I, i liked all the performances i think as you've already pointed out the screenplay might be the weakest part of this movie, although I still think the screenplay is stronger than quite a few movies I've seen. This is this is a good screenplay. It's just not a perfect screenplay, and it has very obvious flaws. Um, the directing, I think, was, was good. 
nothing necessarily special, but there's, I mean, as you already said, the cinematography was good and like, that's not really the same as the directing, but the directing is something, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, like personally, I have very little bad to say about this movie. It's not perfect. It is flawed, but like most of the individual elements are there and are good. I think. Uh, yeah, I can agree. Like it's solid. Honestly, I don't know how it like it feels so a 24, even though like, like, I think we clear. Are you clarified for me? A24 mostly buys the movies. I don't think they do much production, though I did look it up. They do have some production. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I don't know how much that plays into this, but like recently, uh, it's it's good you mentioned that. These movies are actually not super similar, but they give off a similar vibe. Was First Cow, which is also yeah. A24. I was like, I, I don't know what it is, but like a lot of them you can, uh, I mean like, okay. <laughs> If we're gonna bring up very specific like uh comparisons i i i will say that i thought both screenplays were kind of ass but like everything else about the movie was pretty solid and uh especially like the look and the feel of it even though these were in completely different eras so uh, i don't know it's just interesting how they're able to do that i mean i feel like whoever is buying the movies at a24 i don't know who it is but like they they have a they have a type they have a type of movie that they enjoy and it's not always the same pretty sure promising young woman was also a24 and that was quite different but mm-hmm. you know uh this movie is very similar is is kind of similar at least in vibe to first cow and i've definitely seen other movies like this before that's fair uh i probably put it at like a, a five five point five maybe a six uh it's just the problems i i i feel bad saying that because like it's it's a perfectly fine film it's just and like five for me is like average um i just like how do i say i i think the biggest thing for me is just that uh like going into this movie i i knew it got a lot of critical acclaim so i guess i was expecting uh more from it but to me it just feels like kind of the usual oscar bait type of movie that we'll see um and uh i don't know i just i think i have a really big personal bias against it i I, you know i'll give it a six i'll give it a six but Um, yeah it's sorry go ahead oh i was gonna say so you you just brought up oscar bait and that uh that brings me to what i was gonna say i may have teased this last episode uh going forward uh like i said we've got under five months before the oscars and um, <laughs> under five months. Normally at this point in the year, it would be like less than five weeks, but you know, now it's less than five months. So I figured, so, so me and Peter talked off screen or off camera, neither of those things, off podcast, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> about what we wanted to do going forward. And like, we're, we're a show about classic movies, but like sometimes critics get it wrong. And I kind of wanted to take, and like, we kind of wanted to look at Oscar bait throughout the years. And the way, and what I thought, what I thought might be interesting to go about that too is like, let's look at movies that like. This is kind of counter to what we typically try to do here, but I kind of want to look at movies that clearly aren't classics or ones that I certainly would not consider that, and like, no, but still like cleaned up at the Oscars or you know at the very least were designed to clean up at the Oscars because 
you know, we talked a couple, we talked a little bit a while back about some movies that came out in 1941. We talked about the Maltese Falcon and we talked about Citizen Kane and neither of those movies won best picture that year at the Oscars. In fact, I don't think Maltese Falcon won anything at the Oscars. And those are still classics to this day. Meanwhile, the thing that actually did win best picture at the Oscars, I've never heard of. So I thought that it would be interesting uh, as we go back, and I'm I'm putting all the credit uh, to, for this on me, but like Pierre is the one that picked the next couple of movies. Um, I thought it would be interesting going back to like look at movies that I really don't think are going to be enduring classics a, a couple of years from now, or you know, eighty years from now, but did way better at the Oscars than maybe they should have. Interesting. Yeah. So we're going to talk I, about the King speech. Yes. Uh, I <laughs> King speech specifically because I remember I it's, I think it was the one of the first Oscars I watched. Um and I remember that sweeping the awards uh and the movie I was cheering for that year which I think was again the first time I'd ever cheered for an Oscars movie the social network uh repeatedly kind of got let down because of that movie. So I have a personal beef with it. So I, I'm excited to see what was so Oscar worthy about it? Seen the King's speech? I have not. Oh, that is interesting. All right. So uh, we're going to see Academy Award Best Picture winner, The King's Speech. Actually, the next couple that we have are Best Picture winners. Uh, be what was the second one? Or are we not saying that yet? I mean, to, we can say I, I think... it. It's going to be the same. It's The King's Speech? Well, no, no. We're talking about the King's Speech next. After that, we're going to talk about one of my least favorite movies of the last. Oh yeah, years, yeah. Green Book. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was like, we're watching the King's Speech twice. Oh my god. I mean, that'd be kind of funny if we did, though. <laughs> it's true. It'd be the exact same movie and not acknowledge that we did this review like the week before. <laughs> but this will be interesting because we've actually talked about we've talked a lot without having a specific episode about the social network. Um, we have Inception is one of the only movies that at least I gave a 10 out of 10 to in our uh, in our show. And I think you might have as well, or at least you gave it a 9 out of 10. And um, this was also the only year in the last, probably, yeah, in the last 20 at least, that an animated movie was nominated for Best Picture. Uh, plus it has one of my favorite movies or one of a, a movie by one of my favorite directors, Black Swan. So like, how did the King's wow. speech beat all of those movies? Find out next time. <laughs>